Hey everybody, welcome to Rust Belt Startup. I'm your host, Ryan Miller. This is where we reconstruct Remarkable. Rust Belt Startup is long-form conversations with artists, entrepreneurs, educators, people that are just building interesting lives in interesting locations. It's uh, it, it, The days are getting a little, uh, a little lower here, a little shorter here. It's a bummer. Summer's waning, but... Uh, that's what happens. You know, the, the bad news is that summer is waning. The good news is that fall is by a mile my uh, my favorite time of year. So I'm, I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to seeing some uh, some of the leaves change and uh, pumpkin spice everything. But not yet. We got a couple more weeks of, uh, of fall uh, of summer. Maybe we'll get an Indian summer. A little bit longer, uh, a little bit longer sunshine. So how are you? Is everyone doing OK out there? Hopefully everybody had a good summer. Uh, been digging uh, the feedback from the first couple episodes of the season, so thanks for the folks that have uh, have taken a listen. And uh, today got a, got a really uh, nice conversation with a very nice person, Georgie Morley. And Georgie is someone who I started following on Instagram uh, under her handle Gray Lady Girl, and it's because she lives uh, on the island of Nantucket. And I think I have kind of an un healthy obsession with this place i've been there a few times uh uh in my life as a kid and as a, as a young adult and uh there's something about it that just has stuck with me as a a place that i i really really love um and uh hoping to get back there even for just a for just a moment in the near term uh you know and i wonder if it, it you know i thought maybe it was one of these places i guess i'll find out right one of these places that it's sometimes better better in your mind than it is in real life. Um, so I want to go back and just test my assumptions. Like, is it still that magical? Is it still that awesome? Uh, so anyway, I, I was following Georgie's stuff uh, online because she takes beautiful photographs uh, under that Instagram handle and then uh, found out that she also runs... Uh, that's not her main account. Her main account is, uh, is in it for the long run, and now it's actually at Georgie Morley. Um, but she is an Instagram influencer and blogger. And, uh, you know, that those are terms that we hear tossed around a lot these days. What is an, what is an influencer? What is a blogger? What, and what does it mean to do that as a job, as a career? And so uh, I reached out to Georgie, and she was kind enough to speak to me from uh, Nantucket. So we conducted this interview over, uh, over Zoom. And, uh, and we talked about kind of like what, it, what that's like, what her journey was like from uh, trying to build a blog from scratch and then making it her career. So we get into, you know, how do you, how do you uh, find topics that interest you? How do you grow an audience? How do you nurture that audience? And one of the things that, that I have a lot of uh, uh, struggle with is uh, how do you get good at taking pictures of yourself? Uh, because a lot of her feed uh, are, are photos of, of, of her. Um, kind of doing doing her thing, you know. Her, she's her blog, and her Instagram feed is really geared around health and wellness, and um, and so a lot of that is following her own journey. And so you got to have pictures of you, and uh, and she's really really great at at, um, uh, at at doing that kind of not selfie photography but staged photography where you're the subject. I always struggle with that, and so we get into you know how do you how do you get over that that fear of taking pictures of yourself? What are some some techniques that you might use to get better pictures of yourself and uh and what's her workflow what apps does she use and what is it like to run a blog as a business from an island 
know, a lot of people think you need to be in in a large city to run an online uh, to run a, uh, an online business, be an influencer, be successful. But Georgie's doing it. She's doing it well, and uh, it was great to get a chance to to talk to her. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Georgie Morley. So I should start by saying I have almost an unnatural uh, affinity towards the island of Nantucket. It, I'm I'm a bit obsessed lately, and I don't know why. I, I've I've gone there a handful of times as a kid, and uh, and haven't been there in, in probably like eight years or something. But it is like it is like the most magical place to me. So that's how I I think first found you was I think through your Instagram, mm-hmm. right? it was like Grey Lady Girl or something like that. Yeah. And I love your photography, and uh, uh, so I'm hoping uh, I have a, 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 a two two young kids, um, and and my wife and I. I'm trying to, to get them there next summer for a week to just have them experience it. She's never been there, and it's just this this super magical place for me. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I always so wonder what it would be like <laughs> to visit for the first time, especially like as a kid, or even mm-hmm. I think even as an adult, how what it would be like to visit as a first at for the first time and come off the boat and see what it looks like because i I try to sometimes like imagine i've never been there before and because it is so different but then it's also so normal for me so i think that'd be a really cool experience to bring someone new well why don't we start there so you you grew up on an island Mm -hmm. and so you know for for people that don't know what nantucket is or 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 where it is it's off the coast of massachusetts very small eight miles or 12 miles it's about 14 miles long and three miles wide i was way off okay no that was you were close (laughs) okay um and so so you you grew up in this very it's a probably a small community i think it's very it's also it's a very um tourism based uh, economy but also very affluent I, I think for a lot of people summer on, on nantucket um can you just talk about what that was what that experience was like growing up on in such a small area yeah it's really interesting and i it's hard sometimes to explain it because i sometimes i don't know the difference between what it's like to live on an island or just a small town because it's always I moved there when I was five, so it's just what I've known for most of my life. And it wasn't until I really went to college and lived in other places that I kind of realized how different and special it was. But again, some of the stuff is, you know, pretty typical of a small town. Um, What makes it different, I think, is the getting to and from aspect for locals. That can be such a challenge, and I think it can really make you... I've learned how to be really flexible when I travel because you just have to be so mindful about the weather and all of your plans and logistics and you just have to be flexible and kind of expect all scenarios to happen. I've been stuck on island, stuck off island. There's been weeks where the boats don't run and then, you know, the produce goes low in the grocery yeah. store. So there's a lot of wow. logistic fun things that kind of more happens in the winter. But then in terms of you mentioned it is a primarily tourism-based economy, and that kind of happened in the 70s. A lot of developers kind of built it up into this um, nicer or, I guess, more targeted towards more affluent audiences. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the island really transforms from May to about September, October, which just, again, there's so many things that will happen. The population booms, more restaurants open, um, the thing I love about how seasonal it is, as it is, is it really, for me personally, it kind of goes with the the rhythms of life. And obviously, like I grew up there, so I went to school and there was a lot of rhythms of going through school. And then the summer 
such a different time. And then when I, you know, after I went to college and, you know, got a, a real job, a nine to five job, I actually really struggled because I didn't, I wasn't used to doing the same thing every day and getting the same kind of paycheck every week. I, I got really bored and restless. I mm. really, I, re- I didn't realize until I left how much I liked the extremes like I like it to be really crazy in the summer and I like it to be really slow in the winter so I had a hard time adjusting in that first job with without the extremes so those are some so so those are some things that I like popped to the front of my mind yeah when you were uh kind of doing uh high school and 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 I'm assuming you had summer jobs you Mm -hmm. know as things were um because because there was so much um going on there you know, did you did you get off island a lot or because I think, you know, in my case, too, we want to come there for the summertime. Were you on are you on island growing up a lot or did you go off island quite a bit? And if so, where'd you go? Yeah. So, you know, growing up, if you're in any kind of sport or many clubs, you know, to do any kind of field trip, really, you're going off island to compete or anything like that. I mean, luckily, my family um, took us on vacation. So we were traveling in that sense. And honestly, like twice a year, then this was more before like the internet became such an easy resource for shopping, but like we would go, this sounds so funny and silly, but there aren't any real chain stores on Nantucket. So, mm-hmm. um, and especially in the winter, so many things shut down. So, you know, twice a year, my mom would take us just over to the Cape just to go shopping for clothes. And we would stock up on things that were really expensive on Island because a lot of things it's about like maybe, you know, 10 to 25% more expensive just Mm -hmm. because things have to come over on a boat. So (laughs) there was those kind of trips. And now as an adult, you know, having such a flexible schedule, I try to travel like once or twice a month, um, just doing different things either to Boston or further away. And, but it's interesting. There are people like my stepdad who maybe go off Island once a year. Um, wow. so everyone there's different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. What, and what's the, uh, as long as we're just kind of on Island life, right yeah. now, how, how does, what is winter like there? I mean, do you, do you just kind of hold up or, mm-hmm. or, um, is there a lot of, I know here, you know, upstate, if, if you embrace the snow and embrace the winter, you're going to have a great time. Yeah. But if you don't, it, it can be a pretty tough uh, existence. Yeah, that's such a great point. I think I think if you live in the Northeast and you've decided to live there, you just you have to change your attitude about winter because otherwise and it's OK to still love summer more than anything. You're like, it's OK to have yeah, a favorite yeah. season. It's OK to not, you know naturally love winter but you just have to lean into it and embrace it otherwise like you said you're you're going to be miserable and if you're living in the northeast do you really want to be miserable half of your life that right. just seems so so depressing some and I think, people do yeah. i will say some people i mean do. on nantucket there's this nickname for march is hate month which is so weird <laughs> but i mean it can be yes it is challenging the, we don't get as extreme in terms of weather we don't get too much snow it's mostly just grayness um but again with the ebbs and flows, I find usually with the seasons, I'm ready for whatever is happening. So after the summer, you're kind of exhausted. You want to be all alone and isolated. So I think as long as you have a good, I think the key to surviving Nantucket in the winter, 
because it can be isolating because a lot of things close down because there isn't as many activities or things to do. I think it's just key to have a really strong community and people who you can spend time with. I think as long as you're connected to the community in some way or another, my husband plays hockey, you know, I Mm -hmm. have some business network groups. I try to, you know, go to work at a coffee shop every couple of days, you know, as long as you're connected to people, then you're going to have fun. And if you are, you know, a creative resourceful person, or you like to go outdoors, again, it doesn't get that cold, just put on a jacket, go for hikes, there's plenty of things to do. And I think it's actually a nice, a really nice change of pace from the summer. I think it would be exhausting, even if there was a couple more months of summer. So I really love it. And like you said, you just have to have that attitude. So you went to college in Ithaca, which was, that, that's a crazy coincidence. And, yeah. and you were studying mixed mix marketing, you said? Yeah, it's called um, integrated, integrated Marketing Communications, with, which basically for the program just meant that you could dabble in different areas of marketing. Because ideally, the, the idea is that, you know, your marketing is all aligned. Because sometimes in bigger right. companies, it's like you work with a jillion different agencies and you want to have one unified program. So that's what kind of what they were teaching us. So, you know, a little bit of business, um, a little bit of public relations, a little bit of advertising. Um, so that's, that's where I got my ed degree. Cool. And did you go? Um, so after that, you mentioned you worked in, in Boston or like what happened between um, school and then going and what brought you back to the island? Yeah. Um, so I graduated and I started working at this healthy beverage company doing their social media. I uh, got that job out of college and then I moved to Princeton, New Jersey for about seven months doing that. Um, and then they opened up a, an office for their marketing team in Boston. So I was, I jumped at that opportunity because I really, I moved just for the job. I had no connection to New Jersey and I was very excited to um, go to Boston, um, work there for another year. And all along this time, I had started this blog um, back in college, my junior year, going into my senior year, just as a hobby. It was about running at the time because that's what I was really into. And I just, it was during an internship that you know, wasn't the right fit. So I just wanted to find something to do (laughs) during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have always had a really strong interest in social media, just how I think it's the coolest thing. I think, you know, there's so many ways you can do it. I just have been fascinated by it. So it's, I've always just had these experiments going on of like, you know, testing it out in different areas, you know, as a person, (laughs) as a blog, as a photographer. So, um, and then I took that interest into my career doing social media for this drink company. So I have the blog on the side and I'm working at this company, you know, about a year and a half in, I realized, you know, maybe the culture isn't the right fit for me personally. So I'm looking for other jobs. And then I kind of, started thinking, okay, if there aren't really any other jobs in this area that I'm really drawn towards, what if I tried to do my blog as a full-time, because, you know, in between the running, um, it kind of turned into a food blog. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of evolved as I've evolved. So I've always had it going on um, in the background. And I just had this idea or goal to make it into a full-time gig. But I realized, you know, at that point, I wasn't making really any money with it, so I couldn't take it full time right away. So I thought, okay, what's the next best thing? Um, Maybe, you know, move home for a little while, 
um, try to save as much money as possible, work at a job that, you know, isn't going to be emotionally draining, (laughs) which I felt the other one was. Um, It gives me a little bit more flexibility. So that's why I moved back to Nantucket. I started working at a coffee shop um, and trying to save as much money as possible to kind of build my own runway. Um, And then in the meantime, try to grow the income from the blog um, to a point where when I do take it off, (laughs) take off with it, um, I'll be able to, you know, have some emergency fund and then also keep, keep it rolling. So there was kind of that gap year where I was working, but not towards my career, but then working on my blog part-time. Were you doing, um, when you, when you first started the blog, which is really, uh, you know, so, so it sounds like you, you, you started as a hobby but then very quickly you had an end goal in mind. Mm-hmm. How often were you, you know, were you posting? Were you writing? Are you a writer by, by trade? Do you like to write? Or was this just a thing that was, a, that was an outlet for you? Yeah, I've actually always, that's a great question. I've always really been interested because I think people can come to blogging and I mean, I guess they call it influencer. I don't know yeah. even yeah, what to I call know, it anymore. <laughs> Whatever this is, yeah. um, come through it in different avenues. But I think writing has always been something I've been drawn to, I was always drawn to that kind of like essay kind of narrative style of writing. I was in the newspaper in high school. And so I was, I had practice of doing a lot of writing, a lot of editing. And so I was just like, it was pretty easy for me to be like, oh, this happened in my life. Here's what I learned from it. Um, Here's some takeaways that you guys can learn from. So I've kind of always had that like mode of thinking and and once you do it Mm -hmm. for long enough it's really hard to stop it's hard to stop experiencing life through the lens of what am i gonna say about this which is a whole other conversation um but that's kind of how i started um that's the main driver of the blog was the writing and at the time you know when i first graduated college i was probably I didn't have too many friends in New Jersey. So that was really when, you know, my passion took off for it because I had so much extra time. So I'd probably do like three or four blog posts a week. Nowadays, it's a lot less because of just how things have changed and, you know, how I make money versus, you know, how much I'm writing. So um, it's evolved. But yeah, in the beginning, probably like three to five times a week. Definitely mm-hmm. consistency. If you're ever looking to grow an online platform in the beginning is so, so key. Do you think, um, can, can you talk a little bit about how, you, you, this was a running blog to start. And I, just to, to, to bring, bring something back to what you said that I thought was interesting. I think a lot of people, when they think of a blog, think of blog as, um, as a, you know, journaling. And, I, and, and you said right out of the gate, you were talking about like, how do I, I had I experienced this thing, and I'm gonna view it through this lens of how it can be applied to someone else. I mean, that seems to be a pretty insightful uh, uh, thing to to understand from from the jump. Because a lot of people just think of it as I'm just gonna write what happened today, what did I eat, you know? Um, and and you really I think focused on something that a lot of people don't out of the gate. So when you're as you're starting this blog, um, what were some of the first articles that you were writing about? In because running is like you know, you've, cho- you've chosen to, to jump into and build a blog in some very crowded spaces. Mm-hmm. So running is one, health and wellness is another. What were some of the first articles? And then who were some of your first readers? How did people start to find you? Um, that's a great question. I will say, like, I'm not going to give myself too many props. In the beginning, it probably was more journal style. Um, a lot of it, I think my initial, initial goal 
aside from wanting to do something at this internship, um, was I wanted, I was doing this thing and I wanted to create a community around it or I wanted, as I was learning to run and I've always through all of the different channels, I've never come at something as an expert. It's always mm-hmm. been as an explorer. Cause I kind of see that as two ways to look at you know, are you, if you're going to start a blog, are you an expert in something or are you an explorer in something? And it's just really important to be really clear with your readers. You know, I am not an expert or I am an expert because it, it kind of changes how they perceive what you're doing. And there's nothing wrong with either one. Um, you it just, it's about clarity. So I've always been the explorer and like, mm. I'm not good at this. How am I going to get better? So that's kind of been my journey through running and, in the beginning, I mean, the running portion of the blog was never amazing content wise. It was more like journal style, but some of it, I always had the audience in mind. Um, when I was writing, it was, I was always writing for someone, even if that someone wasn't as clear as it is now. Um, and so then, who was that someone who, cause I've heard, I've heard that's a great tactic to do. Who was that person or who was that audience that you had in mind? I mean, in the beginning, probably I was writing to someone else like me. And now when I write, it's to somebody who is probably like me five years ago. That's kind of how I think about mm. it. You, Another way you can do it is actually, if you do have some readers, even if it's only a handful, that's amazing still. Um, talk to them, get to know them a little bit better. I think maybe make like a <laughs> Uh, an avatar of them combined I have this you know it's either I'm either writing to you know Georgie five years ago and then I also have this kind of like avatar in my mind of this girl Emily who you know has struggled with a lot of things that I've struggled with and I'm kind of helping her I'm like I'm only you know a couple steps ahead of you on this path Um, but here's how I did it and here's some resources that you can check out and mostly I'm just a friend I'm not like the expert because my goal now is just to help people trust themselves and feel empowered versus always looking to somebody else for expertise. So I'm definitely more of a friend than an expert. That's awesome. That's great advice. Super. That's, that's, that's a great way to think about it. I mean, it's avatar. It, that's basically you're building a persona, right? For yeah. Ad speak, right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. And it's cool. Um, I mean, sometimes if you, if you're out there and you're doing any kind of writing work where you're trying to write to an audience, like imagine yourself having, and it, this is probably more for people who write in a more conversational style, but imagine that you're having coffee with that person. What are they asking you about? And think about the questions that people already are asking you a lot about. If you're like, what do I write about? People are asking you questions, just start listening to them and maybe jotting them down. Think about what it would be like to answer them, you know, across the table and then write in that style. Cause that's, what's going to break through. And when you said you, you had a small community of readers, what is, what is small? I mean, you know, I think a lot of people start, it's, it's, you know, their mom and them <laughs> and, you know, they're refreshing the, the, the page. And how did you decide, or I guess, I guess maybe the question is, how did you measure success? Cause you, you had this end goal in mind, right? And so numbers to make a living blogging they have to be reasonably i mean reasonably large and so how did how did you go from from 0 to 1 to 10 to 100 and and keep yourself motivated and inspired to 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 do that yeah i will say i think if you want to start a blog purely to make it a business it probably won't be successful only because it takes so long that if yeah. you don't absolutely love what you're doing, you're going to get so sick of it. It's 
I think when in the beginning I had no ambition to make it anything more than just um, a community. And so I think that's actually why it's it was successful. And again, that took it took a long time. I, I technically started it in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2014 was kind of when I started taking it kind of seriously. And even then it was not I can't remember how many like mm-hmm. readers I had. And again, people can measure things in different ways. And as platforms evolve, you know, success is different but in the beginning you know back in 2014 blogging was a lot more popular than social media social media was really just a way to connect people to your blog and now so much more of the content is actually on social media so back then there was a lot of these different um in the wellness communities there were different like they called them link ups so it would be like a day where everyone would put their blog posts there and so i would read like 20 blog posts and comment and people would come comment back so it was more of like a blogger community versus you know just readers who found me randomly um and then with the food space that's kind of where i began to grow because you know, food content was really popular. So I used platforms like Pinterest and Food Gawker to get people um, who maybe weren't fellow bloggers to come to the right. website. And then as it's grown and evolved, Instagram, I started my sure. Instagram in 2015. And that has been probably the biggest driver of audience. Um, you know, I have, I create a lot of content specifically for that platform. Um, and then, you know, there's a handful of or I'll, you know, I'll get a certain amount of people coming to the blog to read more, but I still consider it a success, even if they're just engaged with the, the content on that platform. So you kind of have to keep shifting um, your, yeah, your, tactics. your measurement tools as the yeah. platforms are kind of always changing. Um, but then in terms of like, I think your question was, you know, how do you how do you know to keep going how you know that it's working how do yeah you know right that... <laughs> i think you have to have a couple like say you're long ter- there's nothing wrong with having a long-term goal of making it your full-time job but i think you have to have shorter goals to build mm-hmm. some momentum so because otherwise and again like if you keep comparing yourself to other people there's always going to be someone doing more and better than yeah. you so you kind of have to i think it's really helpful to put on your blinders and focus more on your readers than other bloggers um and in the beginning and again i think it all comes down to like are you writing and creating things that you're really proud of because if you are you're going to tell other people about it and are you writing in a way that like really adds value because if you are people will do your marketing for you that's like the ideal is that word of mouth and you're creating something so interesting and so valuable that the person reading it will feel compelled to share Um, so that's a big way to start in the beginning. Um, and don't be afraid to like, I mean, I was embarrassed to have a blog for like two years and then I finally was like, whatever, people are going to find it or judge me anyway. So I might as well tell the people in my life who care that this exists and, you know, they've done some marketing for me. So it's just kind of getting creative and again, having those short-term goals and short-term definitions of success to keep you going. Cause I think, I found this with every kind of new hobby. It's like in the beginning, you're just so you're having so much fun and you're so excited that you don't realize how much you suck at the yeah. thing. And then <laughs> right. there's this moment where you realize how bad you are and and how far you have to go. And it can be really depressing. So if you can get over that, there's that like one hump of like, oh, wow, I'm actually not that good. And like the fun newness has worn off. I think that's where yeah. you have to kind of get strategic and, you know, be honest with yourself and know that you're going to have to get through that 
that dip and well, ideally you'll I, always be growing but that has been true yeah. for everything i've done well i always tell tell people that i that i'm working with like you got to be bad before you can be good with anything yeah. right and so like the faster you get done being bad the faster you're going to get to be good and so you just got to got to push through it you know i i think the other thing to that i'm trying to get people to realize and, and the folks that i work with too is that you don't have to you don't have to make blogging your career, but it's there. It, you can make it like, what, what does that look like for, you know, your business or, or being part of a community or things like that? I mean, it can be this, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing conversation, right? It can just be this ingredient in, in, in what you do. Um, you know, on that, you've been incredibly uh, open and transparent about your journey. Um, you know, everything from, from mental health uh, to health and wellness. And, and that's, that's got to be hard. Uh, to kind of open the kimono um, and and share some of those stories. Can you kind of talk about how why you decided to do that and and what were some of the the good things that have come from that and and have there been any downsides to it? That's a great question. Uh, so the beginning of that. <laughs> It started with, so in the beginning I was writing about running um, and, you know, I'd sprinkle in there because obviously your running and food have a lot to do with each other. Sure. But the truth, as I was writing about this, even though running, I, I tried to make it this like isolated thing for myself. Um, but then I got up to this point where I realized, you know, in high school and even in college still, I had been struggling a lot with an eating disorder and I felt like I couldn't truly like talk about what I was doing with the running without being honest about like maybe why I got into it or, you know, how it's helped me in other ways. And I, so I just felt like there was, there's like a half of me that I wasn't sharing. So it was that first big share of kind of being honest about struggling with an eating disorder and what that looked like and where I am now with it. That was probably the hardest thing. I, you know, I've written things where it's like, it's just so cathartic to sh like put it on to paper, sure, sure. whether or not you share it. Um, and there was, you know, I had it saved in my drafts for like six months uh, before I was finally ready to just like let it go. And I was so scared. And again, it was like I hadn't really talked to it about talked about the eating disorder to a ton of people in my life, you know, people who were close to me knew. Um, so it was like, you know, once this is on the Internet, I can't really take it back. I can't pretend it didn't happen or I can't lie about it. So that was really hard that first time of like being super honest. And then it felt like such relief to be like honest about both sides of, you know, where the running was coming from, the good and the bad that I really, I couldn't, you know, it's like once you let the cat out of the bag, you can't like yeah, get it back yeah. in. Um, and I, every time since when I've shared something that is maybe a challenge for me um, and having to be like really vulnerable about it, it's always led to good things. The the caveat, maybe not that that might not be the right word, but the condition I put on things, I don't share if it has anything to do with somebody else's story. Like I would never share something about my family without explicit permission or my husband without explicit permission. And even even then, like I don't even want to get like I don't want to even get into it because it's not it's not they don't want to be on a blog. Like right. this isn't their livelihood. So I try to really, if I'm sharing something, it, it really is only about me. Even if, you know, a different story might've really impacted me. Obviously, like if you're married or in a relationship, it means so much. And sometimes I want to be like this happened, but it, that's just the, the hard line for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like we were saying earlier, like the downside is 
of writing <laughs> about your life for so long. Like, it's hard because I don't think I could do it any other way. I can't really compartmentalize things or be super niche or just talk about one thing. Um, but the downside to that is that, again, I, I kind of, it's really hard to turn off. And I kind of always am looking at my life through this lens of, what am I learning versus mm-hmm. just living it? So that's well, not, it's not a bad, tough. it doesn't sound like a bad thing at all. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it's good. But then also sometimes it's like some things are just meant to be experienced, maybe not shared. I see what you're saying. So you're looking at it through the lens, but it's also like, Oh, but this is going to turn into um, yeah. part of a product is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? It's going to turn Content, into a post. Yeah. How does this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, Oh, I that's a beautiful that, sunset. Yeah. And I have to be <laughs> mindful yeah. to not take a picture. You know what I mean? It's yeah, so, yeah, it yeah. sounds so silly, but it really, it can impact relationships. It can impact how, like, I, I don't want to be that person who is always on their phone. Um, and, you know, work is, could ne- never has to be over. So that, that part is challenging. So that's kind of the. How do you do that? I mean, are there things that you do kind of, kind of proactively to, 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 you know, do you, do you have um, um, a, a, a work schedule? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> I'm always tweaking things. Um, I think it is kind of, it, it's definitely helpful um, <laughs> being in a relationship with someone who is not on social media is amazing. Um, you know, when I was, you know, working that first full-time job that I was single then, and I would come home and just, so I'd work from nine to five, do my workout. And then I would just work until like 10, 11, 12, because I mean, and I think there's a certain point in every business where that is okay. And often necessary to like yeah. work yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's, silly especially if you're trying to take something that it doesn't exist and turn it into reality and also make money at the same time through another job um so i i won't say like don't do that because i think it was really important um but it is great now that i'm in this stage where it is my one job to have someone to like remind me that you know turn the computer off um my routine i try not to look at my phone until i'm you know, I'm always experimenting. Lately, my experiment is trying not to look at my phone until 11 o'clock. Um, I can look at email, but that's it. Because I think sometimes when you take in too much social media content too early, it kind of warps your perception of, you know, sure. your life, your day, like how much is you versus what are you getting inspired by? I'm really trying to be more mindful of what I'm consuming because it has so much influence over what I experience and want to create. That's interesting. Do you have um, a morning routine that you do every day? Um, kind of. My typical morning routine, I'll wake up at like eight, which I know for a lot of people a in the gig. wellness world is like so <laughs> late, but whatever. I'm, I'm a sleepy person. Um, I'll wake up, uh, make my coffee, listen to a couple like more news podcasts just to see what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really into essential oils, so I'll get those going. And usually I'll do about like a 10 minute meditation and that's about it. That's all I really need to like, you know, get grounded. Cool. Is there, um, you are, you said you're not super niche, but you're niche. Um, I mean, health and wellness is, is still, is still kind of niche. And, and I, I, I noticed like, you know, on your, your blog, you've, you've made it very easy for people to, to get to the place that they want to go. So it's not, um, necessarily like you go to your website and there's just like the latest, latest posts right up front. So it's like, where, where do you want to go? How did you determine kind of where you were going to, the, the pillars that you were going to kind of tackle as a, as, cause you got to kind of, it sounds like you got to 
do this dance of there are these things that my readers care about that have to intersect with the things that I care about, and I have to decide and kind of stay in, stay kind of in these lanes. Um, did, was that very where you just like here's the three things that I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to just do this incessantly? Or did you just notice that everything was kind of falling into these kinds of categories? Yeah, so that's a great observation and kind of both. A lot of it has to do with how things have evolved. So in you know up until 2016, a lot of the work was all about food. And I got to a point where I just totally burned out with it. And I realized that food wasn't really something I was super passionate about, something I could do forever. And I, you know, I... I thought about like, okay, what would success look like if I kept doing this? And, you know, in an ideal world, I guess that would be a cookbook. And I thought about, do Mm. I want to write a cookbook? No, (laughs) like no part of it, like nothing that this path is leading towards is something I'm interested in. So as hard as it is to like go of all this stuff that I built, um, I don't want to keep going because that version of success isn't super interesting to me. So at that point I had to kind of, okay, what do, what am I, you know, as the explorer, what am I interested in exploring and, you know, bring people along the ride with? And at that point, you know, mental health and self-care and more of the emotional side of wellness versus the physical and Mm -hmm. food side of wellness was really intriguing. And it still is really intriguing exploring that because that is kind of a never ending journey. Yeah, so there's sure. always, and and it is more based on, you know, life experiences and other people's experiences now with the podcast that, that felt like, okay, that's a very renewable source of content versus the food for me got really, really old and it, it just didn't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I switched gears and that's kind of where the, the new pillars came from. And I, it's hard because with a marketing background, if I were to sit down and I do consult with some small businesses on Nantucket, it's easy for me to be like, okay, this is what you need. You need, you know, two to four, you know, I actually one to three pillars, really. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to be known for? Here's how we can create the strategy. So I'm pretty strategic in that sense, but it's really challenging because my own personal instincts are to be very me no matter what. And then like the strategic instincts are to be very like following a a routine. So I think it's actually kind of good in the end of the day because it like they, they pull on those contrasts pull on each other and it just, you know, (laughs) I got what I got. um, A couple of tactical things and, and uh, like, so were, was the, or is, uh, was any of the decision around kind of the exploration of, the 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 mental the, the the mental and emotional side of wellness and self-care the the decisions that you make in terms of the kinds of content to explore are, is that also influenced by i guess the the business part of it what what um kinds of content you know companies want to want to sponsor or work with you on or was that just kind of a natural a natural thing that evolved um a lot less about the business side mm-hmm. of things i think you know if the strategic business version of myself was talking to myself i would say like georgie there's a lot more money and clarity in the food space mm-hmm. you know there's a clear line to success you keep there you know there's a path that has been paved and you can follow it and you know here you know you've built all these relationships with food brands and now you're basically saying like no thank you that's mm-hmm. not what i'm doing anymore yeah. and so you have to build all new relationships and from a business side of things it's like you have to be so careful about you know it's one thing to write and exp- 
explore mental health from your own personal experience. But if you're bringing in products and brands, right, or advice, it's just like it's you know, so like, tricky. I mean, is it medical, you know, what's the line between yeah? That and medical advice? I actually don't love. I I'm very careful. Like I don't love really talking about supplements because it is such a yeah. personalized thing. There's a lot of things that you know are popular that I'm just not comfortable, you know, advertise like promoting um just because you know i might even use it in my own life but if i don't think it's accessible or affordable for most of my readers then i can't really in good conscience tell people to go buy so like yeah you know for skincare for example i love natural beauty and natural skincare but some of the products are so outrageous and it's one thing for them to send me like a hundred dollar cream and me use it and say mm, this is nice but for me to go promote that it's i yeah. don't know it, it's there's so many like moving pieces so i think it would have been way easier from a business perspective to do food or again pick one thing brands love to work with people who are hyper focused and hyper clear yeah. about what they're talking about as if i were a brand that's probably who i would focus on first is like oh i have this xyz company i'm gonna work with the xyz blogger not the right you know right. exploring life blogger whatever <laughs> that is but you know a lot of that is i think i shouldn't say a, a lot of it but i no, it is a lot a lot of it comes down to your personality you know like i i'm not i would i would argue that i'm not your target audience and yet i'm i i consume your content i love your instagram feed um you know, I, I'm probably not trafficked on the on the blog as as much as um as your your norm you know your normal reader your target audience, but I do get value um kind of being on the on, on the periphery, especially from the photography end of things. Um, can I can I ask two, kind of two other tactical questions uh on the business side, which is you know you just okay you're you're gonna start doing this as as a as a job, and so part of that is going to be working with brands and, and doing outreach you mentioned you've got actually a great post uh on your blog that i i would love people to to read on kind of how you actually do uh, whatever you want to call it, being an influencer or a professional blogger like how you do it it's a it's a really good post um would you give a little insight as to um how do how do those brand relationships form do they typically come to you are you doing outreach is it a combination of both and you mentioned you work with a uh, an agency or a pr firm at this point when did that kind of come online? Yeah. So to like step back just from like a high level perspective, because I think a lot of times people are like, okay, I mean, the reason I wrote this post is because one of the first questions I get, if someone asks me what I do and I say, oh, I'm a blogger, how do you make money doing that? Which is totally yeah. fair because it's, it's a new field. I think if I weren't in the space, I'd have that same question. So I try to approach it with as much like, I'm not like, this is how I make money. Meh. It's like, right, no, right. I, I would be curious too. like more transparency, the better. Um, let's make this not a weird thing. Um, so uh, almost every single person I know who has a blog and makes money from it that is one part of their income but they usually have like multiple income streams i mean i think almost every good business probably is looking for multiple income streams sure. um so and like you said too like you know you might be have a blog and be passionate about it and want to make it part of your career but it doesn't have to be all of it so this is a great example of you can have multiple income streams. The blog can be part of that. It doesn't have to be the whole thing you do. You can like be multifaceted. So in terms of income streams I have right now, um, I work as a freelance photographer. That's probably one of the smaller mm -hmm. 
amount of income. Um, that's very seasonal as well. Um, there's advertising revenue from the blog. So that is like those sidebar ads that you see. Yep. Um, there's affiliate marketing, which is maybe the smallest. Um, and that works where if I recommend a product that I really love and I have an affiliate relationship, I will get a small percentage mm-hmm. of whatever sales come through my direct referral. So the one I use, the one affiliate that actually generates income is the web hosting that I use. And I recommend, I have this blog post of, you know, here's how to set up your website. And if they use my code, then I will get like a small percentage of um, Mm -hmm. that sale. So that's affiliate marketing. And then the, probably the biggest thing, um, that I get revenue from is the brand sponsorships. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way I try to explain it, because I think there's confusion in the space is that a brand cannot pay for my endorsement because that's kind of like my integrity. And if I like a brand, I, you know, I'll endorse it without being paid for paid right. for that and if i don't like a brand there's no amount of money that you could pay me to endorse right. it so what they pay for is so first of all there has to be that alignment and what they pay for is the content i create and i don't really do any straight product reviews because i just don't think you can be paid for that i think that has to be like i i couldn't do it myself like if someone was paying mm-hmm. me money and at, how could they possibly how could that review be unbiased so right i don't right. do product reviews it's kind of in like it's it, part of the deal like this is already a product i like that that part isn't as important it's more about here's how you can use it in your life um here's an interesting story about it um here's how i use it for myself um here's how you could use it so more trying to be a little bit more creative because yeah. product reviews should be unpaid for my personal opinion um so that's the sponsored content side of things. And in terms of how that typically works, right now I'm at a stage where it's 90% um, incoming. So brands will reach out to me. That's awesome. And yeah, I'm pretty lucky in that sense, knock on wood. Um, and I don't think there is anything wrong with doing outreach. The only thing that can be challenging from the blogger's perspective is usually when you're reaching out to a brand, unless you have like a pretty established, I mean, if you're reaching out to a brand, usually they have more leverage in that negotiation. So I like to try to have more incoming um, requests just because I have a little bit more leverage. If you're reaching out to me, it means you're already interested. You're already bought in. Um, So I had that. And like you mentioned, I just started last fall working with a PR PR agency who started an influencer division. And what they helped me do is all the negotiations. Um, they helped me with the invoicing. So more of the business side of the partnership. So I'm still creating all the content. I still develop some kind of relationship with the brand, um, but they definitely streamline things. And, you know, it can be a lot to juggle all the due dates and just the relationships and the back and forth email. So it has been really helpful. And even having someone else negotiate on your behalf um, is really helpful because I often undervalue what I'm doing. So having someone do. else take care of that yeah. Yeah, is really awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for, for sharing that. I know that's, that's, you know, something that a lot of people are just really curious about, but, but definitely check out your, your post. It's really, it's really comprehensive on that. A couple more tactical things um, that have, have been on, that came up in, in the, the context of this conversation. 
and and I want to be respectful of, of of your time as well. So, uh, are you are you a one person show? Do you have a team? I am a one person show. I do again, like I um, have that PR agency helping me a lot, and so that's been huge. But everything else in terms of the podcast and it's funny because people will ask me that. I'm like, yeah, isn't it obvious? You know, like I'm not creating that much, um, but everyone, you know, has a different perspective. Well, but you, I think, you know, the, the way that all of your content comes across, it, it is very professional, you know? And so you must know. So the reason I asked that question is because, you know, the website looks great. Your Instagram feed is very consistent, you know, so do you, do you know enough to be dangerous in kind of all these fields? And, and would you recommend someone kind of take that approach? Or is it just like, I, I need to, you know, if I want to project myself in the, in the best way possible, do I need to, it's a time money conversation, I guess, but how do you approach web development and those kinds of things? Yeah, I think because I started purely as a hobby. And like I said, I think the reason I love social media is that it combines so many things that I'm interested in. It combines like branding and design and photography and writing. So I think, you know, at first it's easy to knock people who do social media, like, oh, anyone could do it. And yes, anyone, literally anyone can do it. Um, it just so happens that it, is a intersection of all the things I also really like. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I am drawn to doing all of the things and I enjoy every part of the process. I even enjoyed the business side and the negotiation. Mm-hmm. It was just like, if I have to, I don't have the bandwidth to do all of this. Um, so I think, you know, from my personal perspective, you know, I appreciate that I know the ins and outs of every part of my business and I could do it all myself. I think there will come a time when, I kind of have to decide like how much do I want to grow because I could just stay this size and keep humming along and there's not I, there's nothing wrong with it that's what I've decided to do up yeah. till now but there might become come a point where I decide I want to grow and there's no way I could do it <laughs> with the amount of time I have 24 hours in the day yeah. and just me as one person um so it it's really challenging I think if you're someone who has one passion that you're like so so good at maybe you are a photographer but you hate writing and you don't want to get into code or design like and you have resources i mean like there is nothing wrong there's no shame in having a team i would probably love a team it can get lonely too so there's that's the other side of things so you know do what works for you anyone who tries to tell you there's one way to do this um is trying to sell you something probably (laughs) so do what works for you good advice uh and one of the things, you know, you are the, this, obviously you're the central figure of, of your, your blog, your Instagram feed. You do a lot of selfies and a lot of, uh, you know, flat lays. And how do you get, how do you become okay with taking pictures of yourself? I struggle with this all the time. I just, I don't, uh, I don't want to take photos of myself. And, and you do it in um, where it comes across very natural but it's also evident that you're doing it in places where there are other people, other mammals walking around. How do you kind of, uh, how'd you get good at that? I'm so glad you asked this question because it's something I've thought about. And I think there is a lot of weirdness around selfies. And again, if you don't want to take them, if you don't like taking photos of yourself, you don't have to do that. No one, it's not required. It's not the only way to succeed. I just noticed that photos of myself actually got, more like impressions well, and, and people new followers like people, you know i mean yeah th- that's one i think i think that's also one of the reasons i ended up reaching out to you it's like you seem friendly 
right? Like you seem friendly. Well, that's um, the goal. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And so there's one side of it where it's like from my, again, it's like the two sides of me. There's the business side that's saying, okay, so this kind of photo is really working for you in terms of growth and engagement and impressions. So it wouldn't, it make sense to do more of that. So that's kind of where that's why it's that percentage. Um, but in terms of, you know, to selfie or not to selfie first, ask yourself, do you want to? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then question answered. (laughs) If the question is, if the answer is yes, but I'm nervous and I feel self-conscious and I'm afraid other people, what other people are going to think about me. Well, the answer to that is probably some more personal work, but I would encourage you to practice it. It only gets easier. And the truth is like, if someone doesn't want to see a picture of your face, that's okay. Like that, that's their opinion. It's not for you. I know personally, if I'm scrolling through my feed, I love seeing pictures of my friends. Like Mm -hmm. it makes me happy. I want to see smiling people. You know, I want to, this is what I like. So, you know, it'd be such a shame if they didn't share what they wanted to share because they were afraid of my opinion or someone else's opinion. So if you're doing it, if you're not doing something because of your fear um, of other people's opinions, again, it's, it's way harder than me just saying like, just go for it. But if I can be on your side and let you know that, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking a picture of yourself. (laughs) Like I I saw this quote once and it's like, if, man, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, if women liking how they look is uh, like, there's bigger problems. Like, I think it's amazing if a woman like likes how she looks awesome. Like, why is that a bad thing? Um, so, and then in terms of like, you know, I get my sister, I get my husband, I have like a whole band of people in my life who, you know, maybe they'll laugh at me, but they'll take my picture. And, you know, you just learn how to pose after a while. A lot Mm -hmm. of this, like anything is just practice. Like I've learned, you know, my angles and what works. And, um, you kind of, as long as you're like laughing at yourself, like I don't take myself too seriously. Like if I'm going to take a picture in the middle of the street and get my husband to do it for me, like, yeah, I'm laughing at myself because I know how stupid I look, but I get the picture. It's funny. I'll probably write about it in the caption, like, and it's a great picture. So the whole process can be fun if you know how to have fun with it. So that's important. So you're not necessarily just tripoding it every time. You have people that are are part of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, totally. Great. Okay. And I do. I, I wasn't I mean, sure, like, you know, because they 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 look very natural. But I'm like, oh my god, is she putting a tripod? Like, carry yeah. on a tripod every day, and and you know, there that, are probably like. You know, if I'm ever traveling, it's usually with somebody else and usually I'll get them to take the photo. Um, If I'm in my cottage, then I'm probably like propping my camera or my phone. A lot of my photos on my feed are taken with my phone just because I actually really enjoy iPhone photography. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll use the self timer. So it's about getting creative with what you have. Like if you have someone who will be willing to take your photo, use that. Um, And if you don't like use a tripod or prop your phone up against something. And again, like people don't see all the outtakes and I like to share them on my stories because some mm-hmm. of the pictures are so ugly and they're so funny. Um, everyone takes bad pictures. So yeah. again, it's just getting used to it and getting more comfortable and it takes time. So if you don't feel comfortable taking a selfie in a crowd, like you are normal, it's okay. You don't have to do that, but like maybe practice around some friends. And again, the more you laugh at yourself, like no one will, I don't know if you're laughing, like everyone's laughing. Yeah, that's good advice. Good advice. Well, I, you know, I'm going to leave it there. What's ne- what's next for you? Is there any any big projects you have in, in the loop? I know you just launched um, your second set of Instagram filters. 
Um, I have the I actually grabbed the first set and I'm str- I'm struggling to integrate Lightroom into my uh, my workflow from a mobile perspective. I love it on the desktop, still struggling, but um, but those are really cool. Are you gonna? Con- oh, go ahead. Sorry. The app is a little bit tricky. It's one of those things where it's like if you ever have a long flight or something, or you're waiting at an airport, it's a good time to just tinker around with it, just get comfortable because um, it does take time. I think it's a great app if you like a lot of control with your photos yeah. and you like iPhone photography. Um, another great free app is VSEO Cam. If it, yep. if you're more into the like simple that user um, experience is probably a lot better than the Lightroom, but I just love it because you have a lot more control um, over each individual edit. Um, and in terms of what's next, I actually have no idea. <laughs> I'm doing this... <laughs> Thing, the last couple like months maybe year where i'm really just trying to go with the flow mm-hmm. um and see how that goes and i know that's like very again like the business side of me is kind of freaking out a little bit but the more spiritual side of me is like just trust um because so many of the things that have really worked well actually haven't come from extreme planning and i know i have that tool in my tool belt if i ever need it of the logistical like planning goal oriented like chase after it side of things so if i ever need that i can pull it out but right now i'm just really trying to see what flows naturally i really love teaching um so i'd love to do maybe some more like instagram classes or help teach people how to do this because i I think it's so fun and Mm -hmm. i could like i'm talking for forever and i could like i just want to help people so i could see that being part of things if it flows naturally um and probably implementing some more like structured breaks because i don't want to burn out anymore because i've done that like every year where i just work myself silly I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So is the, the jumping off point for a lot of folks is your website in it for the long run. Um, and uh, where else can people find you if they want to connect with you? I have a podcast called the Chasing Joy podcast. That's conversations around wellness that are probably more in the emotional and mental health side of things with lots of different people. So um, that's a great way if you are into podcasts. Um, and then Instagram, it's at in it for the long run blog, which I know is a mouthful. <laughs> I'm probably going to actually, um, yeah, that's something on the horizon. I'm going to rebrand and just make everything my name <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. because there are so many like bits and bobs to everything. So that's on the horizon. <laughs> cool, cool. But if you cool. just search Georgie Morley, it should at all should pop up. Awesome. Well, Great. Thank, you thank you so much. So mu- this has been awesome, Georgie. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, if we ever, if I'm going to say if we ever, when we make it out to the island, I'll be sure to look you up and, and, and buy you a drink or a cup of coffee. Yeah, uh, please I really do. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Georgie. Uh, glad that I finally got to, to. It's cool when you, you know, when when there's a person on Instagram and you dig their work, and then you actually get to kind of meet them or like virtually meet them in real life. And I was really happy to get to have a conversation uh, with her because I learned a lot. I hope you guys did too. Um, definitely give her a follow on the gram uh, at Georgie Morley or at Gray Lady Girl. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get out to the island sometime soon. Maybe look at some lighthouses, get on a bike, have some coffee, check out the beaches. Love that island. Um, that's it for this week. Be back in a couple weeks with a couple other awesome conversations that I've got in the can. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, uh, if you're digging it, leave me a rating, leave me a review, send me an email. Um, 
and also yeah we're on spotify now which is pretty cool so uh, you can you can if you're a spotify listener you can listen to rust belt startup on spotify and then uh my friend john was telling me that if you have alexa you can just you can just say hey alexa play rust belt startup and i think it works someone test that out let me know if it works all right guys thanks for tuning in we'll see you in a couple weeks with the next episode of rust belt startup